0: Good evening and welcome to, of course, today's Friday follow-up, the podcast brought to you by Equine Devils Advocate. Uh, We are available, of course, on Podbean, Facebook, our own website, www.equinedevilsadvocate.com and, yes, uh, YouTube, although you can only find recent episodes on YouTube at the moment. We're still working on that one. It has been a lovely crisp sunny frosty but chilly 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 day today and uh, but at least it gives a bit of a reprieve from the rubber gear because it's been dry which is so nice. Now of course today we are going to include some more follow-up of the question that we left running which was about thoroughbreds themselves as a as a breed with hot stuff we had the surprising and with biscuit we had the extraordinary and with coir the utterly utterly different Um, and there have been more uh, thoughts coming in from you and experiences of them as a breed which i do find quite fascinating because they are so divided it's a bit like marmite love them or hate them Perhaps hate is too strong a word, but maybe not. It's actually rather more clear to see where the love is for them, in their intelligence, their athleticism, their speed, power, appearance. But what of the dislike? Where does that come from? What is it about thoroughbreds that is off-putting to people? Well, let's take a look, and of course there will be more further adventures of Dennis the Menace. Now, the first one that I'm going to read to you is from somebody who said, I don't particularly like therapists as a personal horse to own because although I only know a handful of people that have one, it seems to me they are always high maintenance, hard to look after. They always seem to be having issues with cuts or skin, or weight loss in the winter, minor lamenesses from hoof problems. I would not be compelled to own one. I think they are more suited to the professional rider, not the amateur. Yes, tis true I have heard things like this said before. And here's another one along similar lines. <clears throat> I quite like a dash of thoroughbred in a horse but for me I would steer clear of a full blood simply because I like to fit my riding in as and when I can. With work commitments I'm often away and my easygoing cob fits my lifestyle so well. I can pay any number of people to exercise him for me without worry and if they can't he is perfectly fine if he just gets turnout even for periods of up to two weeks. I tend to think that if I ask them to exercise my ex-racehorse, I might find myself with less enthusiastic helpers, if any at all. Well, you might actually have a point there. I've heard that sort of thing before, too. And here's another one from somebody who says, I am a happy hacker mum, and I ride with a group of friends who are also Happy Hacker Mums. It's something we enjoy for social reasons and it's also our headspace, time away from our much-loved families. I lost my much-loved horse very suddenly from unexpected health issues and found myself not only grieving but lost in my exclusion from being able to hack hack out with my friends. There was a huge hole in my life. I heard about a horse that was quite local and not expensive that was for sale from an acquaintance so I decided to go and have a look. This horse was actually in a race training yard something I did not know until I got there. Straight away I thought this is madness but perhaps politeness made me get out of the car and look at the horse. He was very beautiful to look at, and a good size for me. He had a lovely, friendly temperament, and so intrigued, I decided to continue with the process, but still thinking it a very bad idea for me. They rode him for me in a grass paddock, walk, trot and canter, on his own, and he looked lovely, relaxed and sane and sensible. The trainer was telling me everything that he had done. He had won quite a lot of races, but the more he told me, the more alarmed I became at the prospect of myself with this horse. I took some persuading, but eventually I did hack him around the local village with some of the other race horses. I was very, very nervous. As the others jogged about and tossed their heads, but this horse was actually so well behaved and seemed to take no notice. He was perfect with cars and some heavy traffic that also went past. I was beginning to think I liked him quite a lot but I could not get the thought out of my head that if I went on to grass I would not know how to stop him. I might not be able to stop him. I admit heart of me was tempted to buy him he seemed like a very nice horse perhaps my heart but my head kept saying you won't be able to ride him on the common on the grass you will come unstuck you won't be able to ride a racehorse on grass you won't be able to stop him i didn't buy that horse but to this day i wonder if i made the wrong decision but even now the thought of a thoroughbred with grass under its hooves and an open space frightens the life out of me. Thank you for hearing my story. Well, we say to you, thank you very much for writing it. And yep, that is also something else I have come across before too. And so, this is another one. Another story that can only be described as the exception to the rule and totally Inspiring as well. Here goes. When my niece was staying with us, she borrowed a lovely thoroughbred horse, County, that belonged to my daughter. They were such a team and did really, really well together at all sorts of pony club activities, etc. My niece then declared one day that she wanted one of her own. I said no, as I had more than enough horses to look after and work eventually after much persuasion i came to a compromise that was if she did all the work looked after and was solely responsible for this horse then she could have one and i would help her look and support her in all her endeavors after putting the word around a call came from the very same person that had found County. She said she had a horse that would be fantastic, much better even than County. I was sent a photograph. It was of her on this horse at the local Hunt Meet, drinking plum wine. So I thought, OK, perhaps I'll investigate further. What I did not know was that after that photograph had been taken, they had crashed through the first fence and were actually sent home for being dangerous and out of control. That information came out much later in the day. Anyway, it was arranged, and she brought the therabud to us and dropped him off, literally saying, Bye, got to go. Handing him to me, she sped off. And I must say, he was awful. He tried to bite us, he tried to kick us. I couldn't lead him without him being four foot in the air or rearing. So after a few days, I called her and said, No, we do not want him. She said, Oh, I can't come and get him. You'll have to take him to a friend of mine. Desperate to get him off my hands, I did just that. Only to have a call a few days later from that friend, saying, Come and collect this horse right now feeling really bad for what might happen to the horse if I didn't. I actually did go and collect him. He was awful, dangerous to ride. He couldn't walk in a straight line. He would suddenly veer to the right with his head stuck up in the air and crash into people, objects, anything. His legs blew up to the size of balloons and he couldn't touch his skin. I tried many times to rehome him and failed for nobody wanted him, nobody would touch him with a barge pole. Then I came to the conclusion it was a very stark choice, either the bullet or do something. So I chose to do something. Steroids from the vet was all that was an offer from that field, which I thought would be disastrous given his temperament and his attitude So I set about finding the best herbalist, homeopath and riding training I could find. And I will say that shortly he will be 20 years old and I am in my 70s. And we have together worked our way up through the levels competing at dressage. And we are currently working on intermediate level dressage. We have competed in many competitions and we have many rosettes and several wins. And for the last two years, we have competed, qualified and competed to go to Aintree in the ROR National Championships in dressage, producing tests of 70% and just yes, also riding on the gallops there. It is a testament to his true character, brilliance and resilience, far more so than mine i feel underneath it all he is in fact the kindest gentlest sweetest horse the most genuine horse he is an absolute gem to look after and be around whether at home or at competition he makes me so proud and despite age he is a world away from the bashed up crooked angry stressed horse that landed in my life all those years ago. Well, my goodness, a big thank you to all of you for your correspondence. And yep, yeah, it's absolutely true. These are all things that I have heard many times before. The high maintenance issue, they're always hurting themselves, hard to feed, can't cope with the weather, too thin-skinned. And I really think perhaps we ought to discuss these perceptions more detail at some point particularly the crazy on grass, the no breaks scenario. I know that is something that actually puts an awful lot of people off even the idea of taking on a thoroughbred, that puts them off. But actually trust me, it's not in fact such a big problem, not as big as you might think and to the last lady, well what can we say your story is quite exceptional and you must be so proud of yourself for just going that extra mile particularly for a horse that sounds like you didn't even really want. In my experience many would have been actively and vehemently discouraged from even taking on that idea and the fact that you have both achieved so much is just fantastic and we can't thank you enough for sharing your story I mean, it's so true. Your compassion and effort is an inspiration to us all. Many, many thanks to you and your very, very special horse. And now, of course, more from Dennis the Menace. Dennis the Menace, now known as Superstar Hunter Dennis, something he clearly loved to do. But yes, we had also had a taste of the Marmite scenario with the attitude of the field master. What exactly was her beef with this thoroughbred? Was it just him and myself? Surely not. But one has to wonder, why was she so sceptical of him at the beginning of the day? Or perhaps the beginning of our last correspondence answers that question. You see these thoughts and suspicions people have must come from somewhere and perhaps it is a case of tarring all with the same brush and not giving the individual the benefit of the doubt I guess it all goes back to one's own personal experiences and perhaps allowing those experiences to colour the future time will tell we will see now Dennis Yes, he continued to entertain us with his tongue antics and it was always easier to get it poked out than to put it back somehow. But he also learnt another trick, how to bash a person with a corn broom. Now, it's true, lots of horses will pick up a broom or a fork and waft it around a bit, but Dennis would actually whack us around the head with the sweeping end smack. His aim was extraordinary and quick, too. Sweeping near his stable became a great joke, especially if there was the opportunity to use an unsuspecting working pupil who was none the wiser. Dennis would wait, calm and still, and then grab the handle, snatch it from the hands, and then SWACK right on the side of the head. It was so funny. Needless to say, after wrestling it back from him, out would come his tongue. And then the hunting. Oh, yes, there was more, more hunting. You see, to qualify, one was expected to go a minimum of five times and properly, not just to appear at the meet and then disappear. And the pleasure of that hunting, hunting Dennis, it was mine, yes, all mine, and I have to say, it was a pleasure too. He was just fabulous in every way. In fact, Dennis wowed the hunting field, so much so that one fine day, the master actually said, you can come with me. Oh, right, better add then. I don't think one's actually allowed to say, thanks but no thanks, or why, I'm certain, in fact, it's probably quite an honour. And so we did gad off over the countryside with the master. Dennis was, in fact, much admired by the master. If I didn't need a horse with more bone and a bit more substance, I'd have that horse for myself, he would say. And after skipping deftly over some very tricky obstacles, he would say, oh, that is a fine horse. Now, of course, let us not forget the master plan, the original plan, because this was actually all about Dennis being able to be inspired, uplifted, entertained, kept animated about his work and sweet in the mind, an attitude that he would bring with him to his races. Well, sure enough, the time came. Race day for Dennis. He marched around the pre-parade ring, taking in all the sights with that same lofty, superior air that he always had about him. He looked the picture of health and fitness, and though he truly belonged there. This time, a young, enthusiastic jockey was legged up, He immediately patted Dennis on the neck. Shrewd move, I thought, as I led them from the paddock out onto the course and let them go. Dennis beautifully off into his long, rangy stride, and he sailed down the course past the stands, looking every bit like he belonged in his own painting, which could well be entitled, I am Dennis. Then, before long, they were all down at the start. It was a two-mile chase, the shortest distance of race for chasers and for those that are faster. They all gathered, girths checked, and they lined up, walking to the tape, jostling for a good position. The starter climbed his rostrum and raised his flag, then up went the tape, and they're off, except one. (gasps) there stood Dennis at the start on his own his little jockey slapping him down the neck with the whip and kicking and kicking to try and instill some movement some effort from Dennis Dennis was stood with his head tilted to the right and his left eye staring up at the starter on his rostrum the jockey frantically kicking to no avail. And then, as if Dennis had seen enough of the starter, he faced forward, pricked his ears, and off he went. Jeez, Dennis, I said, you are such a beep-beep menace. He was way behind the rest of the field, right out the back, and he sailed over the fences one after another, in his own time, in his own leisurely gallop, but not the slightest bit bothered by the frantic urgings of his little jockey. Oh, dear God, Dennis, I said under my breath, you're going to end up having a lobotomy if you're not careful. But wait, perhaps you think, aha, he's going to do a sea-biscuit manoeuvre, sprout wings on his heels and fly like secretariat, start slow and then just gather more and more speed until he wings his way past the rest of the field, until he's way out in front. Well, no. He just sauntered the whole two miles at a sort of leisurely gallop, pinging the fences, although there were no tests at all, and he finished plum last, way behind the rest of the field, "'as he had started. "'I walked out onto the course to lead Dennis in, "'in his own time, when he was ready, of course, "'and I saw coming towards me an effortless canter "'and a very perky-looking Dennis, "'who was hardly blowing at all. "'Sat aboard him, one ashen-faced, utterly breathless little jockey, "'probably thinking any dream of a career he had, had just been totally annihilated forever by Dennis the Menace. As I caught them to lead him in, he said, I hate this horse. And I thought, Dennis, you are such a menace. And of course, out came the tongue. Looking at him, I thought, are you actually a reincarnated puppy dog, or are you in fact just a horse? A horse that's trying to make a point because clearly you are not a racehorse. And so please do join us here at Equine Devil's Advocate on Monday to find out more of the fate of Dennis the Menace. Until then wherever you are, whatever you're doing, take care. And we will, of course, speak soon.